here's Ecclesiastes, if you have your Bible. The author was Solomon, of course. As a young man, he wrote the book of Song of Solomon. Then as a middle-aged wisdom and so forth, he wrote Proverbs. And he, as an older man, he wrote Ecclesiastes. And this is what he says in the verse, uh, chapter 12, and it's verse 10. Praise the Lord. The preacher sought out to find acceptable, suitable words, and that which was written was upright, every word of truth. Read that again. The preacher sought out to find acceptable, suitable words, and that which was written was upright, even words of truth. God's word. And this is the first verse we're going to start with, everything here. The word of the wise are as goads and nails fastened by the master of assemblies, which was given from one shepherd. The words of the wise. Solomon was a wise man. He was a son of David. He was a wise man. But he, he said the words are wise, are words that goads and nails fastened by the member in the shepherd, through the shepherd. The words of the wise are as goads and nails. God's word, when you come here, you're supposed to get a nail and you're supposed to get a goad. A goad is an old-time picture of a, an animal and the person behind the animal, a little trailer or whatever, and the animal's pulling it along. And it gets pretty boring after a while. So what that little animal does, it just takes it easy, it backs back, it just takes life easy. But the words of the wise are as goads. What the goad to that animal? The little man had a stick with a point on it, and he would prick that thing, and it would pick up speed again. <laughs> it would pick up speed again. We're not suggesting by any means that somebody has to get pricked with a stick this morning. Physically, this is a spiritual picture. The words of the wise are as goads. Goads. We can get so familiar with things and get used to it to such an extent, we just don't have that commitment, that excitement that enthusiasm that we had the first week you were saved or the first month you were saved or the first year you were saved, you started to take it easy a bit. Maybe you're not like that up in Bellinch, but that's what human nature is like. <laughs> I was so committed. I didn't want, I never even thought of having to be treated with a goad. I love to get to God's house. I love to get to God's house. 
when all the other guys my age were going to Newcastle on a Sunday, I was getting in a car and driving away to the other side of Belfast just to get to God's house. I couldn't stop reading the Bible. By the way, I can't stop reading the Bible and I can't stop going to God's house. It's the most important thing in my entire life. But God has provided the pastor, the person responsible here, and he's given you a gold. That gold is to point out the importance of a few things that perhaps through familiarity, again, I repeat myself, that we're inclined to just not be that committed. Does this make sense? We just take it easy. This is the greatest day of the church that has ever been since Pentecost. I'm telling you the truth. I used to be, I went around and talked to strangers and I would sit down beside them and I would say, you like a piece of poetry? They just frowned at you, totally think you're mad. Said the robin to the sparrow friend, I'd really like to know how, why you worry so. That's a, that's a sparrow back to the robin friend. I think it must be that you, they have no heavenly father which cares like you and me. And once you may mention heavenly father, they used to get up and away they went. <laughs> they never stayed any longer. See now, they're staying. Now they're needing it. Now they know. Now there's people out there who before wouldn't have time. I have a precious brother-in-law and he's very very ill and he used to be a great country and westerns were his favorite but you know what he's doing now he's listening to the gospel singing hymns this is a person who's a lovely man but normally we're all the same god changes us to look for that which is the most important it's more important than the food in your stomach or the clothes on your back or the way you marry or where you live or any other single thing. And he's a goad to keep you going. There's better days ahead. The greatest day, David Wilkerson said a wonderful thing. He says, down here is preparation for up there. We're not staying. It's not good news. We are not staying. This is not home. This is not home. We're just passing through. And, and uh, what does it say? Gold and a nail. That nail is a painful thing. But his priorities is... This is most important thing in your life. The word of God, the purposes of God, and God's will for your life. God's will, not your will. Not a good idea. A good idea, even in business, is not necessarily a God idea. God's ideas, I was a farmer years, 50 years ago. But God came into our lives and he changed everything. Would you go back to it? I'd, I'd love to have a farm. You know what I'd do with it? I'd sell it and give it to the God's work. That's what I would do with it. Honest. 
the importance of coming here every Sunday. I'm not lecturing or anything like that. I'm just saying this is where the real life is. This is where the door opens to a whole new future and a whole new life. I found that whenever I was preparing this message that it was towards one particular person. Through, towards one particular person, and I don't know who they are. The way I would put it then is this. If it's you, take hold of it and thank God for it. If it's not you today, it may be you tomorrow. And what God does, he gives you an advance warning. Things are going to change. Have your priorities right. So we're going to look at another scripture here. Second Timothy 2. We're going to do this by looking at a few scriptures. But I, I felt like this, I was saying, Lord, but that's just sort of a message you'd speak to one person. But it may apply to you today. It may apply to you tomorrow or next month or next year or whenever. Here's a wonderful way the Apostle Paul, in chapter 2, he was highlighting things that were with emphasis. Thou therefore, my son, be strong, be confident, be courageous. Take notice, I'm saying those things. Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. God's grace is in merited favor towards you. It, it, it don't take it lightly. It's incredible. Let the weak say, I am strong. So the weaker the, you are, the more you rely on his grace. The battle is not to the swift, the battle to the strong. The race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, but time and chance, opportunities and so forth, happens to all men. And people think that totally in the aspect of business and that type of thing. It may be, but we're talking spiritual things. The most important thing is God's experience in your life. Hallelujah. The grace that is in Christ Jesus. The enabling, the love and the mercy and the grace of God. And the things that thou hast heard of men among many witnesses. This is Paul speaking to Timothy here. The same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. This isn't just something he thought up, you know, five minutes before he wrote this book. He had contemplated this. He had taken time and studied it. And he was speaking from that point of view. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier. Endure hardness, hold, 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 hold. Now, you're going to lose everybody because you're saying uh, there's going to be hardness. You're a soldier. A, B, C, D, <laughs> above and beyond the call of duty. That's the place to live, above and beyond the place of duty. Above and beyond. This, you're a soldier. You're a soldier, and I've, I've written a few things. 
this is a, a, a sort of little comment made to young people joining the army. You're in the army now, you're not behind the plow. Remember that? You ever, anybody ever hear that before? You're in the army now, you're not behind the plow. In the army, you have no rights. What? I don't, I don't like that. Oh, no, no. Once you said yes, and he came in with all his love and mercy and grace, and now he says, I take over. I change everything. Your life is hid with Christ in God. You're not your own. You're bought with a price. It's incredible. Because he has the responsibility, of course, to look after you. I understand the aspect of it. But I'm talking about the deeper commitment of what do you want, Lord? I want what you want. This is the place of safety. This is the place of provision from God. This is the place where he comes in and he says, now what we're going to do first thing is we're going to have a change in the furniture. We're going to have a change of priorities. But I don't like that. <laughs> I don't want that. We're, we're we, we don't like change. Sure we don't. We don't like change. But God comes in and he says, I've come to change everything. <laughs> everything. Because I know what the future holds. I know that what the potential within you, irrespective of your age or your education or your context or your financial status in life or position in life, irrespective of all those, let the weak say, I am strong. So the weaker you become, the more you depend on him. And that means you're that strong, strong person that you perhaps would like to have been, but wasn't able to do it, but God says, I will make you strong. I'll make you strong. Let the weak say, I am strong. Anyway, I'm just reading scriptures and making comments. Another, another scripture is a wonderful one, Matthew twelve twenty. That's good that you're going to keep it because I'm going to go back to where I was. <laughs> you're allowed to do that, is that all right? Just bear with me a little. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he pleases him who has chosen him to be a soldier. I said that before. I'm repeating it. It's his choice. It's not our choice. And number two here, coming down the next verse. And if a man be... Strive for masteries, to be master, to win the race. It's a picture as that of an athlete. That he be not crowded except he strive lawfully. The athlete, 
They're up early in the morning. The trainer has them. He's driving the car, but they're doing the running out in front of the car. Four o'clock in the morning, people run up past our place. And it's early, early in the morning, you know. They're training for something great. They're training to win the race. You are training to win the race. Paul said, I have run the race. I have finished the course. It's laid up for me an award. There's a race on. God has chosen you as a child of his to be equipped by his ability to run the race, to win, to win the crown, to win the crown that lasts forever. Isn't it wonderful? You have a future and a hope. You have the purposes of God moving in your life for a purpose. Remember the old film, The Good, The Bad and The Ugly? In life, the good, the bad, and the ugly. God allows sometimes ugly things and difficult things to come into our lives, things that you didn't even conceive could possibly be even acceptable any longer. I don't think I'd like to do that. Here's a, here's a little illustration. Who You're in a battle, you see, and who's hitting you? And Is it God? Is it the devil? Is it the mistakes that you've made? It's yourself. It's God. He doesn't hit physically. But he allows things to happen. He allows difficulties to come into our lives to prepare us, to make us into the person that he wants us to be. The athlete is not staying in that position. He wants to win the race. Does this make sense? God has a purpose for your life. The athlete, he's pretty fit. And sometimes he's maybe not as fit as he would like to be. The husband man, the next one, verse 6, must first be partaker of the fruit. Ha, ha, ha. Ha, ha, ha. You know, you can get, I've got books at home. Precious brother, James, give me a, a, a number of books. And I, I love the books. I could know all about the books. I could pro probably, if I'd spent time, I could, one man I knew, he could speak without any aid, the whole New Testament. He just started knowing, he'd memorized it all. But it was information. Information has to become a reality in our lives. A reality. Is this all right? It has to become a reality. Well, you see, God gives you a promise, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And then you find yourself in a position where it looks like he's left you. It looks like he's forsaken you. But if you have the reality, you have the word in your heart, you have the reality that what he says is going to come to pass, irrespective of all the circumstances. You're saying, I've, remember the old chorus, the word is working mightily in me. You remember that? It becomes a reality and then God puts you into a place where that becomes a, a reality to you. 
It's a slow process. The husbandman that laboreth must be the partaker of the fruit. It's a picture of a farmer. He gets the plows up the land, sows the seed, and so forth. He doesn't walk away and leave it and take nothing more to do with it. He has put an effort in there. He's plowed up the land. He has sown the seed. There's going to be a harvest. There's going to be a harvest. Hallelujah. And most people, when you say that, it's a bad connotation, that type of a statement. But I'm saying to you, that if you've put God's word in your heart and you've worked on plowing up the field, plowing up the fallow ground, scriptural context, saying plow up the fallow ground, get the seed sown, because there's a harvest coming. There's a harvest. And whenever we get to glory, you're going to be rewarded for what you've done down here. Isn't that wonderful? Well, what about here? Well, he will reward you here too. All our life commitment is we'll ply up the fallow ground, the difficulties. We'll make sure we'll go to church. It was awful difficult when all my boy, all the friends I had, they all went, all the farmers' sons, by Young Farmers Club in the mall I was in it. They all went different places. I couldn't do it. That's not you know, you had to stop it. I didn't want to do it anymore. My want to changed. And I wanted to go. And I'm receiving now some of the harvest. Honestly. Honestly. Joy unspeakable. Peace beyond words. God speaking to you. Isn't it wonderful? Isn't it wonderful to hear from God, to hear from heaven? Not, not only the, the, the precious word, but there's nowhere in here that says, now leave Belfast and move to Letterkenny. It doesn't say that. But you know what happens? The precious Holy Spirit, who starts this whole operation in us, he starts to highlight things that are important. Remember Mary, she said to the servants at the wedding at Cana of Galilee, whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. Whatever he's telling you to do, it, to do, do it. Do it as quick as you can. Because God has got a harvest in store for you. Praise the Lord. Now, where did I say we were going to go to uh, Matthew 12, 20, wasn't it? Wasn't that it? Matthew 12, 20. Twelve twenty. I couldn't get this scripture out of my mind. I couldn't get this scripture. This is the message starting now. That was just introduction. Matthew twelve twenty. A bruised reed shall he not break. Isn't that beautiful? And a smoking flax shall he not quench. 
till he sends forth judgment unto victory, and in his name shall the Gentiles trust. A bruised reed. We think a reed that's talking about a piece of grass and the fruit is on the top and the, all the, the uh, everything's under the bottom trying to make it grow. It's, it's as a spiritual truth here because it's spoken of in Isaiah as well, the only two places. A bruised reed, a reed that gave music. A reed that brought happiness, fulfillment in people's lives. A bruised reed in God's work sometimes is the pressure preaching, the pressure of singing, the pressure of responsibility, and it gets to the place where you get bruised, you get hurt, you get hurt. Life is handing out this awful thing just to discourage you, wear you down. That reed is bruised. But it says here, if we're no longer interested in it, no, it doesn't say that. It says, get rid of it as quick as possible. No, it doesn't say that. What does it say to bruised reeds? People's lives who've been shattered, divorced, lost, bankruptcy, all the horrible things that life can hand out to you. What does it do? You know what it does? It mends it. It mends it. It sits there. It's not discarded. You can sing again. You can laugh again. That one person that you mentioned, I don't know who they are, I don't know where they are. It may be for them now. It may be for some of us somewhere on the journey of life. Disappointments, pain, you know what God says? We'll just start mending you right away. We'll tell you that we'll love you. <laughs> the love of God, I can't sing how great, how far that we can ever think. The love of God, neither I condemn ye. The lady was caught in adultery in the very act. That was a planned thing. It was purpose so there would be witnesses there when this whole act was being ugly. It was planned to destroy her. There may be times in our lives that enemy has got a plan to destroy you, but I've got good news for you. God's got this plan to make you greater than ever before. So now you'll not just be a theologian telling people things. You'll be able to say, I sat where you sat. See where you're sitting. You've lost everything. Everybody's turned their back. Nobody wants to talk to you, have anything to do with you. I used to be like that. But God stepped in. Hallelujah. That's the gospel. That's the good news. That's to the child of God. You thought you were going to do something wonderful for God. This sounds uh, like I could maybe take this on board and I'm going to say, you thought you were going to do something for God. I thought years ago we were doing something pretty good, building and buses and people and crusades and all that type of thing. 
And then for no reason, no, no reason by anybody, it just so happened, it all stopped just like that. Just like that. It's the most dreadful thing that a dream that you have seems to die within a few minutes and you're shattered. Most people say, well, I tried it and it didn't work, so let's do our own thing. No, no, couldn't do that. Couldn't do that. God started to keep... You know the way the mother has a little baby in her womb and the little umbilical cord goes to that life? What happens is God has got an umbilical cord connected to you. And I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. And no matter what has happened circumstantially in your life, God's got a purpose to bring you through it. What happened was then, the Lord would give me a scripture and a, a, a whole message, and the phone would ring. Then somebody from Letterkenny or somebody from Cork or Dublin or wherever, over a period of time, as soon as I, I knew the Lord was giving me a message, I knew the phone was going to ring. No matter what it looked like, the things I used to do, I wasn't doing it anymore. But then what happened was, whenever the phone rang, the baby was kept alive of what he had put on the inside. The baby was still alive. I'm not talking about a physical thing, of course, you know that. But that was planted there by the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the person who has the final say over your life. As he, as far as he was concerned, the bruised reed wasn't going to be throughout. It was going to be used again. Here, this bruised reed started to laugh again. You remember Solomon? Samson, all the men of God, they all had this type of an experience. Remember Samson's hair grew again. What's that? What's that? It's uncomfortable. What's that? It's your hair growing again. If you've come here and you're hearing stumbling words from a guy living in Letterkenny who used to be a farmer, I, am want, I want to tell you, your hair will grow again. I'm not talking about it. <laughs> Obviously, it'll not this one. But what you once that dream, and I'll tell you something else, the dreams can be changed by man and saying, after I don't really want that. I just want to live and give me peace and let me do what I want to do. And God says, it doesn't work like that. I've got a plan for your life. I'm going to do something wonderful through you. And the bruised reed gets hope again. And it starts to breathe again. And it starts to grow again. Why art thou cast, David again, 40, Psalm 42, Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God. For I shall yet praise him. I'll see his countenance in my face. I'll see him again. I'll hear from him again. I wish I could sing, like I said. Can I say the words 
The answer's on the way, this I know. Jesus said it, I believe it, and it's so. There's more to that. The answer's on its way. A bruised reed shall I not break. I will not discard it, put it over out of place. Don't want anything to do with it. No, 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 no. And a smoking flax, flax, flax shall not, I not quench. The only thing you're getting out of the flax, it's just smoke. That's all it is. Smoke. You can't see where you're going. Smoke. What do you do with the flax? <laughs> you get out the pair of scissors and you clip around the edges and get rid of all the smoke. That's how you take the, the tabernacle in the wilderness. That's what they would do every every day. They would keep make sure that at all costs that that light still uh, was there in the inner chamber. It was still there. It was shown light. It was the it was the only light. There was no windows, no artificial light. Nobody could bring in their ideas or their plans. No, 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 no. There's only one light in the tabernacle in the wilderness, in the inner circle. And that was from the menorah, the sacred light that lit up everything. Table of incense, the prayer, everything. It lit up everything. And when the high priest came in, in all his regalia, he would come in. They could see that the priest has come in. The light will come on again. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God. Now, you shouldn't do what I'm about to do. Way over to the Psalms, to, uh, where was that? Psalm. Praise God. Just give me a second here. Bruised Reed, Song of Solomon, Song of Solomon, way over to the I, Song of Solomon. <laughs> I have so many. Song of Solomon, written by Solomon. It's a Shulamite. The shepherd and Solomon, three S's. And it's chapter 2, and it's way down, verse 8. The voice of my beloved, behold, he cometh leaping upon the mountain and skipping upon the hills. The Shulamites speaking about the shepherd. So there's different messages on this that people uh, talk about this is strictly about God. No, it's, it's the Shulamite and this Sol uh, Solomon 
and the shepherd. It says here, the voice of my beloved, he comes, the, sh the shepherd saying this, he cometh, he's coming to, he's coming to the Shulamite, he comes leaping upon the mountain, skipping upon the hills. My beloved is like a roe or a young heart. Behold, he standeth behind the wall. He looketh forth at the windows, showing himself through the lattice. He starts getting closer and closer to the Shulamite. He starts, he's observing her from a distance. Any voice of my beloved, He's coming, leaping upon the mountains and skipping upon the hills. I know God's omnipresent, omnipotent, and omniscient and all those wonderful truths. But experientially, I want to tell you something. There's times like he's, he's not there. I know he is omnipresent. I understand that. But as far as you particular person, whoever you are, he's coming. He's coming. He's coming. Leaping upon the mountains, skipping upon the hills. No object was satisfactory in keeping them apart, mountains or hills. Nothing could keep them apart because of the shepherd's love for the Shulamite. Solomon had tried with seduction and wealth and all the influences of his lifestyle. He had a thousand, thousand women he had. He, he, was, he, had, he had mansions. He had everything. He had everything. But she was saying, you're not the shepherd. You're just Solomon even though he was a king. He's not going to control her anymore. You know why? Because she met the shepherd. And she fell in love with the shepherd. And that nothing could separate them. Nothing could separate them. Here she is. She says, my beloved, behold, he cometh, leaping upon the mountains and skipping upon the hills. He's getting closer. My beloved is like a roe or a young heart. Behold, he standeth behind the wall. He looketh through the window, showing himself through the lattice. He's seeing you. Not in condemnation or in judgment. Not in what you should have done and you didn't do, or what you did do you shouldn't have done. Not even negotiated. Nothing, nothing, nothing. That's... County down accent that bit. <laughs> Here he is. You're not your your own. Somebody is interested in you, and he's interested in you, even though you, you were in a position where you had all these distractions and promises and you had everything, but you didn't have him. My beloved spake and said unto me, Oh, hallelujah, just to hear from God, just to hear from heaven. That's all I want. That's all I want. That's, that's satisfactory. 
I was sitting there, and precious sister was praying. Boys, I felt the presence of God. I felt the presence of God. Uh, you could have everything perfect and no presence. And you don't want this, you want the both of them, but you could have everything, is it all imperfect? And yet have the presence. He's no respecter of persons. My beloved speak and said unto me, rise up my love. The relationship is still intact. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that wonderful? The relationship is still intact. My love, my fair one, come away. You're leaving this place of total disaster. Even you thought it was a success originally. For lo, the winter is past. The rain is over and gone. Hallelujah. Isn't that wonderful? You know, there's the four seasons as we know it. And then, do you know this too? I'm sure you do. There's the four seasons of the soul. There's the four seasons of the soul. You get saved. It's all new. It's all <laughs> it's fantastic. Your sins are forgiven and you have joy. You have peace. Everybody loves you. <laughs> that, that's what it was at the start in the springtime. That's what it was like in the springtime. They would do anything. What do you want? You want a new car? Right there's a new car. <laughs> I'm not saying material things. I'm just saying you know, there's that love relationship. It's springtime. It's all new. Summer. You didn't think it would get any better. Here's the summer coming. We lived in Florida for a number of years. It was summer all year round. I think there was three days that we didn't see the sun. <laughs> but I mean, it's summertime. Could it get any better than this? Nobody ever. So I, I, I don't offend anybody. I, 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 not everybody loves me. It's fantastic. I think I'll start a church. <laughs> you know, he must have hit his head in the wall or something, or tripped up. But <laughs> I think I'll do something for God. You know, and then once they say, the spring, summer, autumn, the autumn comes, the autumn. Oh, oh, oh boy, that, that was a nippy one there. I didn't expect that really. That was a surprise. I was, it was going to be all right. But suddenly somebody's become your enemy and they don't want to think I have more to do with you. <laughs> and suddenly things that you thought was going to happen, <laughs> deliberately somebody destroyed. Occasionally you get things like that, but by and large, yes, it's okay being a Christian. You know, it's, it's fantastic being a Christian. But occasionally you have a few, well, you're supposed to walk in love and carry a big stick. Was it one of the Americans? <laughs> if, you ever, if you ever get to a place that I was one time, I'll just be honest with you, walk in love and carry a machete. <laughs> Occasionally you get some things, you know, and then you'd reason that, well, this is a test of my commitment. <laughs> it's a test. Problem is, the test sometimes lasts a long time, and there's no answer. And then there's winter. Have you ever had the winter in your Christian experience? Well, there's no light, there's no heat, there's no love, and people who are friendly with you. They have turned their back and they've left you and don't want anything more to do with you. And it's black all the time. And the only thing you've got, well, it started off all right. 
sad how it ended. It's not ended. If it's winter, that means it's just next door to springtime. Depends what you're looking at. Depends who's influencing you. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me to heaven's open door. And this world is not my home anymore. <laughs> I can laugh at the enemy. I can laugh. People have priorities because of culture that we live in and everything and everything that's humanly possible to get, everybody thinks, if I get it, I'll be happy. They get it and they're miserable. Because joy only comes, as a child of God, joy only comes from the King of Kings, our shepherd, the Lord of Lords. He gives us joy. Joy in the morning. Joy in the springtime. Joy in the autumn and joy in the summer and winter makes no difference to a child of God because this ain't it. And the shepherd is still speaking, for lo, the winter is past, the rain is over and gone. The flowers appear on the earth. I knew of people, they were rejected by churches, they were rejected by everything because of what they said or what they did. And nobody wanted to take guilt by association, don't want to be associated. But anybody else, and it's usually a pastor, he says, come up to my house and I'll give you a cup of tea. I love you, because he's got a contact with God. He's got a contact with God, and he brings hope back into that broken body, that broken spirit, that broken life. The flowers, we've got, what it says, we white snowdrops. Snowdrops, and they were covered with snow, so that must have been why they called that. It, it wasn't a just indicator we're in the middle of winter, you know. No, no. It's saying there's snowdrops. There's a springtime coming. The daffodils have arrived. There's some help, little bits. If you look for it, you'll find somebody giving you a hug and telling you they love you. The winter's past, the rain is over, the flowers appear on the earth, and where the winter was, this flower starts to appear. And this wonderful part of this verse, the time of the singing of the birds has come. I knew a wonderful man of God, he had a wonderful message on that three or four words there. And there was an American minister in the meeting, and he shared the message, and the minister heeded, heard it. So whenever he was in America the next week, the minister gets up in front of his people and he preaches about you know, <laughs> what he had preached on. The time of the singing of the birds has come. 
Hallelujah. I need all the help I can get. <laughs> Is that right? That's why I've got all the books. <laughs> but the time of the singing of the birds has come. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's, it's a whole new day when the sky is filled with a new beginning. A new beginning. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Why art thou disquieted within me? David was able, he had so many of these that he got custom to them, but because he always, he knew the outcome. He had, with all his feelings, he was a great man of God. It's a picture of a Christian in these days that we're living in. He had this total conviction. I still know him. And he's the only one that I'll be influenced by. I take my, my advice from him alone. Wouldn't it be wonderful if you had this place that you get to where nobody else can help you but God himself? Well, that would be a place to get to. What did John 11, Jesus said, Father, at Lazarus' tomb, he says, Father, I thank you. And I meditate on this for six months. Father, I thank you that thou hast heard me. And I know that you hear me always. Do you know how we know that? Stay there for six months and find out that is some statement. Father, we pray, and we pray, and we pray, and we pray. If we had stopped after we said the first time, Father, I need your help, and then expect a miracle, expect his intervention, expect him showing up, expecting him to come on the scene, expect that things are going to be different from now on. Things are going to be springtime and summer. Hope. Joy, peace, purpose of why we were saved, purpose of why we're here as a church. It's wonderful. Thank you that thou, that's headquarters, that's headquarters. Heaven's our headquarters. Heaven's our headquarters. The word does the work. I just wrote this down just before we came out. I wrote this down. The Word does the work. The Word does the work. The sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. That's actually Ephesians 6. The sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. Isn't that a wonderful verse? The sword of the Spirit is the word of God. It's whenever God's word, spirit takes God's word, it becomes a sword. Whenever the spirit inside you, God gives you a, a, a scripture, I will never leave you nor forsake you. That's the, 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 the word of God. And God's spirit give it to you. It becomes a sword. And the sword will always destroy the enemy. Hallelujah. I couldn't do that. I can't do this. I, anything God wants you to do, he, he enables you to do through the Spirit of God he gave you and through the words of God that he gave you. And if, if, if it's an intellectual practice, forget it. Don't, don't, even, don't even think about that. It's not an intellectual 
effort. It's when the Spirit of God quickens a, a scripture to you, it becomes a living reality which will be fulfilled in its season. God is with us. I was going down to, I had a little operation a year ago or so, and I was going down, the only thing, well, why do they keep you, you're lying in this stretcher and you're going down, the only thing you can see is a, a roof like that, bars everywhere, you know, and there's nothing funny about it. There's no lights or nothing. Just, and the next thing you know, the wee nurse is there and she said, it's all over. <laughs> I didn't mind that. <laughs> but going down, can I tell you something? A week before this was all arranged and we knew about this, didn't even think we needed it. It was in the lungs thing. Anyway, what happened was, I'm going down our, our, our kitchen and down, down, down to the bedroom and I'm walking down, like just like that. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Just don't say, oh, that's a nice promise. Ah, oh, that's good. No, no, park there for six years. Park there for no matter how long it takes. We're going down to that there. What was I thinking? I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Were you in faith? I don't know what I was in, but I was quoting the word anyway. <laughs> that, that is worth a fortune, that statement. I just made them words there. Taking the word of God becomes a sword of God in your hands. And just I'm going to look at one in, in, in conclusion here. It's when the word of God, God gives you a word in season. The time of the singing of the birds has come. Don't be so associated and mentally connected that we're always going to be in winter. No, you're not. God is bringing you through the winter. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, says here, the flowers appear in the earth, the time of the singing of the birds has come, the voice of the turtle is heard in our land. That's a that's little turtle dove coming in. Well, you wonder, whenever I was on the farm, and I loved to have the springtime when the wee swallows came from thousands of miles away. They came from thousands of miles away just to be at this spot on the wall where, where they were developed. <laughs> the fig tree putteth forth her green figs. The vines with the tender grapes, tender grapes. Jesus appearing through his word as a real person to you. The fig tree putteth forth her green figs. The vines, the tender grapes, give a good smell. Arise, my love, my fair one, and come away. No more tears. No more brokenness. My brother went home to be with the Lord, and I didn't know it at the time. My whole life was shattered. The whole life was shattered. But I lived to the day that I thank God that the shepherd came into my life, and he changed my life. And on the road somewhere, down that road somewhere, down that road, precious lady that was here in the church, she said that she had talked to him about the Lord. So you're not here, no? 
So talk to my brother about the Lord. God knew. Can I submit to you? God knew what was going to happen to me. So he made sure that my brother got saved. I remember going down the road past where the accident happened and I was praying to God, I hope he's with you, I don't know. And the voice spoke to me, he's with me. (laughs) Time of the singing of the birds has come. Don't let this just be a little meeting, a few thoughts or whatever, and I can't understand what he was telling me. Don't, 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 don't. Take something. Take something. It could change your life. Anyway, there's, there's so much more. Evelyn usually complains about me having too many messages, you know, but I'm trying to get them all together. You know why we can say these things? Because of the good shepherd, the real shepherd, who has visited us, visited us, and he's living in us. Can I read a few scriptures in in finishing? The I Ams. Everybody's preached on this, by the way, but you're going to have to listen to it again. John 6.20. Are you going to go over? The, there's 12 here, but we have plenty of time. <laughs> no. John 6.20. John was totally different than Matthew, Mark, and Luke. They're all similar, but John was always different. He was a wonderful man of God. John 6.20. And this is what it says. And he said unto them, It is I, be not afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Fear is an awful enemy. Comes against your mind, wrecks your life, takes control. There's a spirit of fear. But fear, even on a lower level, anxiety, worry. People forget who they are, forget everything about their lives because they're worried, concerned. Don't be concerned. Cast down all your care upon him. Why? Because he cares for you. He takes care of you. John 6, 35, here are the actual words themselves. Jesus said unto them, uh, where's that there now? 635, sorry about that. Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth in me shall never thirst. I am the bread of life. Reprogram your computer. Reprogram everything. Get it on this word of God. When the word of God becomes a reality inside you. Here he says, what, what is it again? 35, he said, Jesus said to him, I am the bread of life. Of life. Of life. Spiritually, yes, I understand that. But can I also submit everything? Everything. He's the bread of life. I have the ability to give you what you need. Not what you, this is awful negative, but not what you want. Except if your wants be what he wants you to have, you can get them. But if they're only based, like Evelyn has a habit, she says to me, uh, the Lord said to me one time, I'll give you things when things don't mean a thing to you. And Evelyn keeps saying, are we there yet? Are we there yet? <laughs> I don't care. Thank the Lord. You're wonderful. You're wonderful. 
Isn't that wonderful? To get that place, to get him in his proper focus. I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger. Isn't that wonderful? It's not talking necessary about physical things, but any type of hunger. He says, you'll never hunger. You'll never wonder. You know what we do? We stand here and we pray. Am I going on too long? We pray here, and then we move over here. And the answer comes to there, but we're not there. Do you, can you follow me? We have prayed in faith, believing, we think we're going to get it, and then we move on. And all the time God says, okay, but it's not there, it's over here. <laughs> Work that one out. <laughs> I know I'm not going to say what I was going to say. Evelyn's going to say it on Sunday night. <laughs> 35, huh? He that believeth on me shall never thirst. Never thirst. Thirsting days are over. Thirsting days are over. The joy unspeakable and full of glory. This is 8, 12. I'm not going to take on. I just probably just comment just slightly. But 8, 12. Then spake Jesus unto them and saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Hallelujah. Shall I, no more darkness, no more uncertainty. Just whenever you ask for things that he wants you to have, please don't go over into self-effort, advice from friends. Don't ask anybody about anything. Don't tell anybody about anything. You just tell him, and he takes pleasure in meeting your needs. Ask and you shall receive, that your joy may be full. Remember the old chorus, the answer's on its way. This I know. Jesus said it, I believe it, and it's so. Your heavenly Father knows the need before you pray. I have that, like I spoke about earlier, trust in God alone. Trust in God alone. Trust in God alone. Isn't that wonderful? It's not a casual, acceptable, nice cliche, trust in God alone. It's nice. No, no. There's great truth in it. You'll be surprised. You'll be surprised when you trust in God alone. Abba, Daddy, my Daddy. That's what Abba means, Daddy, my Daddy. My daddy, my, he looks after me because I am his and he is mine. 24, 8, 24. Uh, I say therefore unto you uh, that ye shall die in your sins, for if ye believe not that I am he, ye shall die in your sins. It's, not, it's talking to the Pharisees, it's talking to their attitudes. I understand the background. I don't bring it out of Scripture to make a point, but I, I, I say this, I am he. You die in the consequences of living without me. You exist as self-effort. You'll exist by your ability. 
Just don't do that. Help is on its way. Help is here. Help is 2,000 years ago. I prayed for a dear lady, but she wouldn't believe that 1 Peter 2.24 was in the Bible, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes we were healed. He healed us 2,000 years ago. Our faith has been today, has to be in what he did 2,000 years ago. In the Old Testament, the Luke Forum, the, 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 the things that happened was incredible. Looking for him to come. He has come. We look back to what he accomplished at Calvary for us. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. Where was that again? I said, therefore, do you, that you die in your sins. You die in the consequences of not believing me. For if you believe not that I am he, you shall die in your sins. The consequences of this fallen world. There's people, there's people that haven't prayed there in these countries that they're being martyred, their, their lives are being taken from their homes, their families, their whole lives. It's awful what's happening. But there's a group of Christians in the same condition, suffering the same things, but they have got a joy and a peace and the presence of God in the midst of hell on earth. I submit to you in the years that come, if the rapture comes first, I believe it will. What's going to be left? It's going to be hell on this earth. That's what we have seen through the virus and through this present thing in Russia and so forth. It's only like a Sunday school picnic compared to what's going to happen. You've got to get to the place where he and his opinion has the first say, the final say, and the only say. Peace in the midst of the storm. Peace out of awful things that are happening in this world. Anyway, let's keep going. 50, 58. Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I, uh, before Abraham was, I am. Did you, ever, did, you, did you ever read where Jesus said, I am? He says, says uh, what is that scripture? Uh, just slipped my mind. But, uh, you've heard it said. That was it. Thank you, Lord. You've heard it. See, that's what the Holy Ghost says. Uh, you've heard it said, but I am saying. Not that he's saying it, they were all wrong. He was saying, it's been fulfilled in him. That's what he says. You've heard it said by Isaiah, Jeremiah, Abraham, all the pro prophets. You have heard it said, I am. I say unto you, I'm saying unto you, they were, he was with them, but now he's in us. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Isn't it incredible? He can show you where to go, who to marry, what to work to do, what he can, he can just open the whole thing up. I know the plans I have for you, plans of good, gives you a future and a hope. God's plans, God's, his, it's my plans, and by the way, it's my way. My plans, my way, because your way is too small. You're only thinking for self. God bless me, my wife, John, uh, I was going to say John, <laughs> my wife, us three, no more. No. No, no. 
Something's happening. Our hearts, our lives are being expanded, increased beyond measure. I, I come to little Northern Ireland again because I was wondering, you're far too small. I thank God for this place. Look at it's got over a couple of years, whatever it is. This is the right way to do it. God's way. It's incredible. It's incredible. If it's God's way, you get God's results. It's wonderful. John 10, 7. Then said Jesus unto them again, Verily, verily, whenever double emphasis, he's emphasizing something. I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. I am the door of the sheep. I am the door by me. If any man enter in, he shall be saved, and shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief cometh not but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I am come that he may have life and have it more abundantly. That life is Zoe. It's a life of God. I am come that you may have the life of God inside you. We should be swinging from them chandeliers. I don't advise you do it. I don't. You, you know what you want to do? Get out there. Forget about the car. Run home. Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I am the door of the sheep. Isn't that incredible? You come only one door. That's the Lord himself. The thief comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that you may have life and that you may have it more abundantly, that you may have the God quality of life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. No more fear. No more doubt. No more. No more. No more. No more panic. No more going to pieces. No more worry. Joy unspeakable and full of glory, for the half has never yet been told. Isn't it wonderful what we have got? You reach into your pocket and you bring out a wallet. Huh. That's small fry. He owns it all. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof and the cattle upon a thousand hills. The old preacher said, I wish he would sell a couple. <laughs> he owns it all. Anyway, I'm very quickly here. I am the son of God, 36 this is what, a, what an awesome statement. Said I not unto thee, no. say ye to him whom the Father sanctified, set apart, sent into the world, with a plan, with a purpose, with a plan, and you are in the plan and the purpose. Say ye of him whom the Father has sanctified and sent into the world, thou blessed. Um, I have written on because I said, thou blasphemous, because I said, I am the Son of God. It was so great that they couldn't even accept it. And he was standing in, their middle, in the midst of them, and they didn't know him. Is that possible? Just think about that for a minute. Is that possible? To be standing in the very presence of God. And that's what we are. We're the children of the King. 
and to be ruled by the, the, the system. We, we have to succumb to the system of the world, but we're not of the world. There's, Jesus says, thy kingdom come, thy kingdom come. That's the Lord's Prayer. It's not like the Lord's Prayer, it's the disciples' prayer. Thy kingdom come. Pray that thy kingdom come. There is a kingdom ruling in this world. That's the enemy's kingdom. Mankind, men have jumped into their, their ruling in this world. But Jesus say, don't pray for them like that. Pray the Father's kingdom, thy kingdom, your influence, your place of authority. It's going to happen whenever he comes back, by the way, anyway. Thy kingdom come. Not what I want, but what you want. Anyway, um, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. John 14, 6. I'm just going to skip over these. <laughs> Jesus said unto him, I am the way, I am the way, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No man cometh unto the Father. What an awesome to be on the way to the Father, to be involved, to be a child of the King. God is your Father. You get there by Jesus alone. And he's in you. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Anyway, I think I should stop. You shouldn't do this, Willie. Okay, I'll just finish with this here. Okay, Evelyn, I hear you coughing. <laughs> I love C.H. Spurgeon, as every preacher does. He said this, this is for a man that was very well received in his day. He said these words, don't question yourself. He doesn't say this, let me say it. Don't question yourself because you're going through things, but don't also think that they have the final say. There's only one person has the final say. And if you react and you say, Lord, you come in, you take control and help me. God will do just that. He'll come bouncing over the mountains and over the hills. He'll come through the difficult places and he'll come and he'll speak to you. He'll, you'll get to know him. You'll get to trust him. Hallelujah. The time of the singing of the birds has come. This is relating to the difficult periods in our lives. This is the way you treat them. I'm, I am afraid that all the grace that I've got out of my comfortable and easy times and happy hours might all, almost lie on a penny. See, this is deeper than we think it is. You know, think about it. Listen. But the good that I have received from my sorrows, my pains, my griefs is all together incompatible. What do I not know? I can't explain. What I do not owe. What I, what I owe to the hammer, the anvil, the file, and the fire. Affliction is the best bit of my furniture in my house. Can you see this? He's saying, I learned through my difficult trials. 
is God bringing you through your difficult trial. You're coming out with so much knowledge, so much clarity of mind, so settled in your life. No matter what happens, good, bad, or ugly, you have made up your mind. The most important thing is, and I've got it, you have it, and that is this, that you're a child of Almighty God, and you belong to him irrespective of everything. Of everything. The best piece of furniture in my life was all the difficulties and the things that he went through. And just in finishing it, he said this, a little faith will take you to heaven. But listen to this. But great faith will bring heaven to you. <laughs> great faith will bring heaven to you. I'm finished. What a wonderful church. What a wonderful pastor and his family. What a wonderful future you have. What a wonderful avenue this is to reach out further than you expected, to do more than you thought you could do. You know what it is? To get people to fall in love with Jesus and do everything he tells you. Thank you, Lord, for your love and mercy and grace. Thank you for this wonderful church. Thank you for the family and pastor and people and the helpers and everybody, Lord. Everything, everybody does. Thank you for them. I ask you to bless them, make them blessing beyond their wildest dreams. And that is, Lord Jesus, that one day we will walk the streets of glory hand in hand. Hallelujah, with the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.